One can hardly mention visiting Savannah without someone recommending they tour what's arguably one of the most hauntingly beautiful cemeteries in the country. Bonaventure Cemetery. With its stunning oak-lined walkways, lacy Spanish moss, and azaleas in abundance, Bonaventure feels more like a garden than a cemetery. Buried beneath its lovely surface lies a fascinating history. Let's journey to Bonaventure in Savannah, Georgia, whose name just happens to mean good fortune. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. While doing my research, I stumbled across some excerpts by J.M. Marsh's poem, Bonaventure, in the Southern Field and Fireside newspaper, dated August 11, 1860. Though I could not find the poem in its entirety, I thought these few excerpts were interesting. So, in lieu of a story written by me, I'll be sharing pieces of this poem. I feel it encapsulates Bonaventure beautifully. Ye solemn arches that in grandeur spread, your lofty branches o'er the silent dead, moss wreathed with hoary age as you stand, grim sentinels o'er this silent land. With reverent awe I gaze upon each aisle, Charmed by the breezes swell, Chanting nature's hymn the while, Through this vast cathedral, It fills my soul with love, I bow my head, Neath the temple, And the music of the dead. Ye lengthening shades that darkly sleep, Upon the troubled bosom of the rushing deep, still longer grow as the declining sun in fadeless beauty sleeps its distant journey run around the gathering folds of night stills thee from thy quiet rest the moon sweeps up the heaven and the bright the star gems deck the river's breast from the moon voluptuous each trembling ray Upon the death temple in quiet splendor lay. Chained by the magic spell, the canvas glows, wrapped in the soft midnight's stilled repose. Fit hour with a master's mind's impressed to spread the draped temple and altars of the dead. Genius sweeps along with glittering wings, trailing her essence as she goes, and from her lightest touch around us springs her hallowed fired 
that burning throws. Upward their flashing flames that never expires until the soul's consumed by its own raging fires. Before Bonaventure housed Savannah's most beloved dead, it was a plantation that belonged to Josiah Tatnall Sr., who was born in 1740 to Thomas and Elizabeth Tatnall. He was a British immigrant that arrived in Charleston, South Carolina in the mid-1700s. While in Charleston, he married Mary Mulrine, the daughter of Colonel John and Claudia Mulrine. Supposedly, the many oaks that dot the picturesque landscape were planted in the shape of the letters M and T to commemorate the union of the Mulrine and Tatnall families. By 1771, the families owned over 9,000 acres. When his father-in-law decided to leave Charleston and settle in Savannah, Josiah Sr. and his wife Mary followed. Colonel John Mulrine would then found Bonaventure Plantation in 1762. Two sons were born to Mary and Josiah Sr. at Bonaventure, John and Josiah Jr. A comfortable home was built on the site made of English brick, but burned down on January 7th of 1771. Local legend has it that the house caught fire during a formal dinner party. As it's told, a servant informed the host that the roof was on fire and nothing could be done to stop the fire. Ever the hospitable host, he calmly clanked his glass and invited the guests to pick up their plates and follow him into the garden. There, they finished their dinner and drinks, watching the home go up in flames. Another brick mansion was built as a replacement, but it too burned in 1804. By the time America had begun its revolution in 1775, the two families had pledged their allegiance to King George III. They even helped the royal governor, James Wright, escape from rebel captors by offering him a place of refuge at Bonaventure until he could board the ship Scarborough and travel to England. Morine and Tatnall were forced to flee Georgia as well after being accused of treason by the Revolutionary Council in Savannah. Mulrine fled to the Bahamas, where he died in 1786, and Tatnall went to England. In 1782, the 750-acre Bonaventure was confiscated and sold at auction to John Habersham. Josiah Tatnall Jr. would eventually return to Savannah in 1785, after the Revolutionary War had ended, and purchased Bonaventure from John Habersham. Josiah Tatnall Jr. didn't seem to share his father's political views. Acquiring Bonaventure meant it had been returned to the Tatnall family once more. He introduced Sea Island cotton from the Bahamas to the plantation. By 1801, he'd made quite the name for himself 
and was elected governor of Georgia. Josiah Tatnall Jr. married a Savannah girl by the name of Harriet Fenwick. They had three children, Edward Fenwick, Harriet, and Josiah III. Josiah Tatnall Jr. had made great strides at Bonaventure, but his life was marked by tragedy like so many others of that era. In 1802, his wife Harriet died and was buried at Bonaventure next to the couple's four children, who died in infancy, and he passed away the very next year. Bonaventure was then placed in a trust for their three young children, which were sent to live with their grandfather in London. The land was returned to the children in 1817. Harriet died in 1819, followed by Edward Fenwick in 1832, leaving Bonaventure in the care of Commodore Josiah Tatnall III. Josiah joined the U.S. Navy in 1812 and became a distinguished naval officer. He's reported to have coined the phrase, blood is thicker than water. He fought in the Civil War and the Mexican War. He died in Savannah in 1871 and was buried with his family at Bonaventure. The Commodore rarely spent any time at Bonaventure because of his military career and sold 600 acres to Peter Wiltberger, a Savannah businessman, in 1846. The sale did not include the family burial plot but Wiltberger promised to maintain it anyway. Wiltberger planned to turn 70 acres into a public cemetery. Before his plans could be realized, however, Wiltberger passed away in 1853. His son William inherited the estate and began working to fulfill his father's vision of a public cemetery at Bonaventure. In 1868, William formed the Evergreen Cemetery Company. He died in 1872 and was buried in his family's section of Bonaventure. After his death, the remaining plots of Bonaventure, then called Evergreen Cemetery, were placed in the hands of the Evergreen Cemetery Company. Before we venture into Bonaventure's second life as a cemetery, like many of the plantations of that time, Bonaventure ran on the labor of enslaved people. Legal documents record Peter Wiltberger's estate of Bonaventure. The papers are from around 1868 and include an inventory of 30 enslaved people, mentioned by their first names, as well as six other deeds and bills of sale for other enslaved people owned by the Wiltberger family from 1840 to 1855. But even before Peter Wiltberger owned Bonaventure, it had a long history of slavery. In Claudia Mulrine's will and testament from December 10th of 1781, it's noted that her granddaughter Claudia Tatnall was to inherit the enslaved. Slavery was originally illegal in Savannah, but by the 1740s, it had bled into Georgia. And by this time, enslaved people from South Carolina were openly sold in the city. Slavery officially became legal in Georgia in 1750. The farming of rice and Sea Island cotton increased the demand for enslaved labor. 
Slavery definitely left a sad and horrific mark on Bonaventure and the rest of the South. While roaming Bonaventure's lovely pathways, it's difficult to imagine such a terrible time. I'm convinced that its melancholy vibrations are cast not only by the whispers of the dead, but the reminders of a practice so awful, we still feel its pains today. Despite its tragic past, Bonaventure is a remarkable treasure of distinct Victorian gravestones and monuments. Bonaventure is a reflection of the shifting thoughts surrounding death for Victorian Americans. Death became almost like a dance, with both ritual and romantic notions to be performed after a loved one's passing. Cemeteries became beautiful places with stunning gardens that transformed a place of death into a heavily decorated and cared-for city of the dead. People began visiting cemeteries for a chance to relish in their beauty. One author said this about Bonaventure, Death is robbed of half its horrors. Even now I have to say I agree. If this is where my bones were laid to rest, I could see not feeling half so bad about it. Perhaps that was the goal of the Victorians, who experienced so much grief and death. Maybe these glamorous cemeteries helped comfort loved ones about the passing of their friend or family, and ease their own fears about what they'd also face, probably much too soon. An early visitor of Bonaventure wrote, This hallowed burial place is like a natural cathedral, whose columns are majestic trees, whose stained glass is gorgeous forage, whose tapestries are draperies of long gray moss, whose pavement is the flowery turf, whose aisles are avenues of softened light and shade, whose monuments are those elaborate and tasteful marble shafts, which tell in simple lines the names of those who here repose in dreamless sleep. In 1907, the city of Savannah purchased Evergreen Cemetery at Bonaventure for $30,000. Bonaventure is now maintained by the city's Park and Tree Commission, Bonaventure was the fourth of five cemeteries the city owns and maintains. In his book, A Thousand Mile Walk to the Gulf, John Muir wrote of Bonaventure, quote, Bonaventure is called a graveyard, a town of the dead, but the few graves are powerless in such a depth of life. The rippling of living waters, the song of birds, the joyous confidence of flowers, the calm, undisturbable grandeur of the oaks. Mark this place of graves as one of the Lord's most favored abodes of life and light. Today, Bonaventure is visited by thousands every year. It comprises over 100 acres and is a testament to Victorian burial traditions. With its stately live oaks, winding paths, bloom-busting azaleas, riverside views, and ornate headstones, 
it's a true sight to see, whether you're a taphophile or not. Bonaventure is a reminder that there is beauty and peace after this life. It's a treasure trove for photographers, historians, and those fascinated by Victorian culture. Fabled is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod. Next time, I'll bring you a bonus episode highlighting the most famous burials of Bonaventure. Until then, thank you for listening. <laughs>